0: Everybody and welcome to Can Peaches, a Deadwood podcast. I'm the host, Mike Marbach, and we're going to introduce ourselves, going around to the right. Uh, Rob O'Neill, Dan Corkery. Yeah, that is the three of us here talking about this episode. Hopefully, we'll be joined by a couple people uh, in coming episodes. Uh, we have all seen the seen the show, uh, so we're going to be talking about this as. Uh, As new as we can, uh, we are going to do what we can to avoid any spoilery sort of um, uh, comments throughout. Uh, Really doing what we can to make this uh, a beginner journey for anyone that maybe is watching Deadwood for the first time uh, as well. Uh, This one's going to cover season one, episode one. So we are finally starting back at the beginning. We've done a... Uh, a full first season episode for the Watercore podcast. We did a uh, Deadwood movie podcast, but now we are actually back giving the uh, giving the Deadwood series the respect that it deserves uh, and going episode by episode, season one, episode one. All right, uh, so let's just start with some first impressions of, of this pilot. Uh, Dan, any thoughts? I mean, I try to put myself, as somebody who's now seen it, three-plus
1: times. Uh, My most recent uh, re rewatch, or it was actually a re-listen because I was uh, doing something that I couldn't be watching it. But uh, I tried to put myself in the head of somebody who's watching it for the first time, and it was just so good. I don't know. It was awesome. (laughs) It was great. That's the only thing I have to say. It's really, really great. And I could see if somebody's new to it, just it catching them off guard just because the writing is so different from everything mm-hmm. else and i think we talked in one of the earlier ones but comparing it to other stuff that we're watching whether it be like this last game of thrones season or something like that it's just so the words per minute
0: mm-hmm.
1: but also like the complexity of the dialogue and the sort yeah. of musicality of different characters and stuff it's crazy
0: yeah sure Rob.
2: As someone who's uh, instead of putting myself in the shoes of someone who's seeing it for the first time, rewatching it, did you guys notice like a dip in quality in the pilot episode versus the rest of the series? Like it's a little grainy and a little like it doesn't. It's interesting because it doesn't feel like they're there yet. Yeah, you know, it's
1: grainy. Well, I again I listened to it this last. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) See it. Could the audio
2: mixing. I thought was excellent. Yeah. But yeah, it's directed by Walter Hill, so maybe that's part of the difference. Okay. Um, Does he suck? Do we hate him? No,
0: he's a great. He's he known for his graininess.
2: No, he's he's a great filmmaker. He did The Warriors and um, oh, The Driver. Okay. Um, but he's one of those like HBO usually gets like the, a big director to direct the pilot episode, right. mm-hmm. like how Martin Scorsese did Vinyl and Boardwalk Empire. Um, this is like what Walter Hill was the one like okay he's gonna do the pilot, but it feels a little it was interesting the pilot episode feels a little different to me than the rest of the series, but it's still really good and the writing's really good and I love the first scene I love the opening scene of the series yeah. it's just fun Thanks to too. watch in and yeah. of itself
0: yeah yeah uh, yeah again I've seen this multiple times so I I can't necessarily look at it through fresh eyes as much as I I, I would try because I'm quite biased it is one of my favorite shows of all time. But yeah, I do recognize uh, that kind of dipping quality, Rob, that you're talking about. Uh, as far as the overall episode goes, each time, each time, like even though I know what's coming, it still holds my attention, and uh, from moment to moment, uh, still like captivated. Uh, through the, through, as Dan was saying, the the dialogue, uh, the there isn't too much action in this episode, uh, but when it happens, it's it's quick. It's dirty, and uh, it just pulls you in and, and, and holds you down.
1: Mm-hmm. What point did in the pilot do you guys feel like, because this is not a typical Western, obviously, but what was there a point in the pilot where you, was it from the very beginning, or was there, because I have a, like a couple moments where I was like, the first time I watched it, because I'm a newcomer relatively to watching the series, where I was like, oh, this is not a regular Western. Mm. Do you guys have a moment? In it, Or we can just go through the show. Where it's just not a rig- regular... Where, you- where I'm just like, this is something more. I mean, it might have been just the dialogue back and forth. It might have been the um, just the very beginning of the guy when he's, he's locked up behind bars, where it was like, this is different, but yeah. Seth Bullock seems like such a straight mm-hmm. Western character oh, to yeah. me, especially yeah. in the pilot, right, mm-hmm. where he's like a lawman and he's going somewhere else. But then, and like, while Bill Hickok comes in, but there's, I think it was like maybe... Once you spend a little bit of time with Allie, you're like, there's something different. Yeah. Because the morality's, it's more gray, and it's mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you guys had like a any thoughts about that.
0: Yeah, I think just uh, yeah that scene with Ellsworth and Al in the in the bar, I think is I think that's it. Is yeah. is definitely one of them because it's uh, in general west in many westerns, you're just not going to have a scene like that. Yeah. Uh, and you're not going to have that long dialogue uh, that isn't really plot driven it's not really it doesn't really have much of anything it's just kind of shooting the shit with, uh, with someone sitting at a bar and the and the bartender uh, who of course we learn is uh, throughout that scene a little bit more than just the the bartender but uh, those are two characters that are in westerns typically
1: have been mm-hmm. like a, who's the guy with the crazy voice like who's that actor <laughs> the character Brennan? yeah he'd be like a prospector yep, right. and he'd be like comic relief mm-hmm. and the bartender
0: would be a guy who Ducks when a bullet whizzes yeah. by and hits the yeah. bottle behind him. I don't yeah. know. It's just, yeah. it's just and so hits his head. The show's so cool. It's mm-hmm. so good. Uh, I think another moment for me is probably when we first got our introduction to Wild Bill through Jane opening up that curtain mm-hmm. uh, and just with the mouth that she that she has. Yeah. Um, which again is is not very westerny. Uh, even in some of the more modern westerns, there's still not that level of of disgusting vulgarity. Yeah. That was another thing.
2: Uh, first time seeing the first episode. I think it was my dad who brought this up but that the when I watched it with him but I think it was that like wow they're really overdoing it with the profanity in this show (laughs) like HBO really I remember the impression his impression being like HBO is allowed to say fuck and cocksucker (laughs) and they're like they're overdoing it but then that's something I think also you don't realize until you're a little way into the series where you're like oh this is a very this is a very particularly chosen vocabulary Mm -hmm. like this was
1: thought out as to how much they're going to use it and what particular words. I you know? talked to my dad recently. I was like, did you ever watch that? It was before the movie came out. I was like, did you ever watch it when it came out? Because I don't remember him ever watching. He's a big Sopranos guy. Like he's, mm-hmm. he watches a lot of that other stuff. And he was just like, Nah, it always seemed like they just like had a lot of cursing for cursing sake. And uh, and he's That's not like he's not squeamish about it. it. So I don't yeah. know why it was like a thing. But yeah. I think he was like, I think he had like a weird, like a, Seinfeld attitude about it, where like if you have to curse, maybe it's not that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's wrong. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you hear that, world? Dance Dad's wrong.
1: Well, this All is right.
0: just for him. Uh, just, he,
1: he don't tell the whole world, but
0: yeah. Make sure he gets this. Okay, I will. Uh, I will email it to him. So I need. I'll need his email address uh, after the podcast here. Boy. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we can start going through uh, scene by scene. But again, feel free to jump around as, as necessary. So it, it is, picture it, Montana Territory, 1876. Uh, and Bullock is dealing with that prisoner uh, in lockup for uh, allegedly stealing a horse. Uh, and we learn that Bullock is headed to Deadwood. Uh, Seth Bullock is the sheriff of Deadwood. Uh, I'm sorry, the sheriff of uh, this particular territory area. Uh, and he's going there to open up a hardware store. And this prisoner—do you remember the prisoner's name? I don't. I just remember that he had really poor fucking luck,
1: in his, in his <laughs> yeah. opinion.
0: Yep, yeah. Yeah. He offers Bullock a bribe, uh, saying he's headed the Deadwood, and they're talking—they're talking it up, uh, which is—and there's a lot of exposition in this particular dialogue between the two of them. Uh, that he's—he's he's the sheriff. That he is uh, giving that up to head to Deadwood uh, to open up a hardware store. We see Seth uh, come in, and that's when he lets them know that uh, the Byron Samson, I think his name is. Uh, by, yeah, Byron Samson is coming to get the prisoner, so they gotta. Yeah, that's when Saul, Saul comes in, right? Mm-hmm. And what did he do? He stole horses. He said he uh, allegedly stole a horse, I believe, uh, from Byron Sampson. And that he doesn't—he doesn't, he doesn't quite cop to it.
2: Yeah. Right, but that's enough to rally the whole town with it really torches is. and oh, that's like <laughs> one of the <laughs> this guy. biggest crimes. You yeah, commit. stealing a horse. It's like stealing a car, I guess. Right? Maybe
0: more than a car, as it's a living thing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, back then, yeah, I would, yeah. I would say so. Hmm. I think he get hanged for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he does. So, yeah, the, uh, the Byron Samson, Samson character played by, um, uh, and we've talked about this before too, one of those classic character actors that pops up in everything, usually at a bar, uh, on a bar stool, uh, whether it's Cheers or some other um, bar in a sitcom he comes and get in the curse like he's probably never been able to do on any of those other shows. Yeah. Uh, and wants this guy uh, to pay for stealing his horse or killing his horse, whatever. It's something to do with his horse. And Saul comes out of the alley uh, and is kind of giving Seth some some cover, some backup. Uh, and Seth is not, uh, not going to allow it. He's not going to allow that kind of vigilante justice uh on his watch even if it's his last act as uh as sheriff of this area so he hangs him right there under under his own his own watch uh and the guy is um what do you you have any last words Mm -hmm. uh what will you have your sister told uh do you remember what he says uh he's got a son Mm -hmm. i think yeah he's worried about his boy
1: I think mm-hmm. he wants him to get his boots or something like that. <laughs> yeah, give him give, give him my boots, mm-hmm. and then he just wants help with his fucking yeah, fall. Help me with my fucking fall.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's an amazing scene too. Mm-hmm. That he kind of goes not willingly, but he's kind of like just see him accept it and kind of like almost crack a joke. Uh, mm-hmm. before he dies. Like that it leaves such an impression that first scene. It's so poetic and well done, even if it was its own
1: short film, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just really good. Yeah. The attempted bribe is great. Where it's just like <laughs> we would pass as two strangers would in a street. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I think
0: Saul walks in and Bullock's just like that doesn't interest me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the guy gets mad too, like would you fucking leave? Yeah. We're in the yeah. middle. We're trying to conduct some business here. Yeah. Yeah jerk.
2: Yeah, he's the first like weasel that we mm-hmm. meet, yeah. and yeah. of many weasels, <laughs> weasels to come,
0: wheeling yeah. and dealing weasels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh, also, I love the um, the big uh, fuck you <laughs> when, he, when he barely, he he basically just takes a, a half step forward mm. uh, and is hanging there. His feet are scraping the uh, uh, the porch, uh, and Seth ultimately just grabs him and. Mm. Snaps his neck, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yikes. Uh, and then they're just left there. Because uh, you can see the looks on their faces. They're just like, whoa. Now what? Mm-hmm. The, the mob is just like, what if we... <laughs> we <laughs> came all the way over here.
2: There is that guy that steps forward and is like, I'll deliver the letter mm-hmm. to the boy or to right. the boy or the sister. To the sister, to yeah. To the yeah. sister, um, who's the, maybe, like, the first good guy that we meet. He's yeah. like, yeah, these are all, you know, mm-hmm. this is tough times, but yeah. there's good people in the
1: mix. Yeah, too. he's the first, like, normal
0: guy. Yeah. Like,
1: regular guy who would be inclined to be like, all right. He, like I'm He's kind of like, like he's like, Byron, knock it off. Yeah, Let's yeah. just get the
0: guy the letter. Right. Yeah, because the plan was to take this guy with them and drop him off. Mm. At whatever other territory there was on the on the way to Deadwood, mm-hmm. right, with a sign that says, "You know, hang me
1: later," or whatever. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and a kick me on the back, yeah, yeah. So that sucks because he was meant to see his sister the, the yeah. very next day. So yeah, poor guy, stole a horse, shouldn't do it, um, but also, come on, Byron, not cool. Yeah, so Seth. Is, is there trying to get him to take uh, the last words, as you said. Uh, and the one thing I love there is when Saul is trying to hold them off with his gun. Yeah. And, and he's basically like, move, move back, move back while my partner is... Uh, and he's trying to look and see what he's doing. He's like, while well, my partner is taking his pretty sweet-ass time writing whatever he's writing over there. Um, who will take the last words of the sister? Yeah, so then they, they head off. Uh, Seth is kind of hanging on back Marty McFly style uh, and gun pointing at them. So he didn't get shot in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have put it past Byron Sampson. Not this time. Uh, yeah. And that's our that's how this series starts. That's the opening to uh, to Deadwood. Uh, yeah. any, any other thoughts about how it's done? The characters?
1: I mean, it's about as good a way as you could start a show. I'm trying to think of like the first scene of other shows that were like that grabby and I I don't know. With that complexity and that like it could be like like you said, like a its own short film. Like I don't think there's too many. Yeah and it sets up the series, the tone and the themes of the series
2: pretty well in one little it encapsulates everything in one little scene with mostly with characters aside from
1: those two, with Mm -hmm. characters that we'll never see again. Yeah, it has Seth being rigid and having his own Strict morality that pretty much lines up with the law, but he's yeah. going to in- enforce it zealously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's people who are just have power and they have their own interests, and he's they run up against each other. And there's even the guy people who are in between who are like, "Ah,
0: come on, just yeah, yeah just relax for a minute." Yeah, it's like everybody in the show. Yeah, and you uh, you get Saul there uh, right from the very first scene. You see that Saul has his back mm-hmm. uh, and is there to support support him in any move, however dumb or uh, impulsive mm. it may seem. He's going to have his back. And as we know, there are many of those moments throughout this series. Uh, all right, so we're in the Black Hills, now in July 1876, uh, and we get our introduction to Jane and Bill and Charlie Utter uh, through the stagecoach. Uh, stagecoach is broken, uh, has broken down. Bill is in the back of the coach with a nurse and a headache or hangover, and Jane is uh, there just kind of checking up on them. Mm -hmm. That's our introduction to them in that particular scene. What thoughts have you? Well, like how Jane's offering to forage for whiskey,
1: (laughs) and he declines because (laughs) (laughs) he
0: doesn't know if she'd come back. Having yeah. drank all the whiskey, yeah, yeah. Uh, that and also, uh, I, I what did you say? I, I know your canvassing techniques, and yeah. uh, I don't want any casualties on my <laughs> on my hands here,
2: yeah. Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the first introduction to Wild Bill kind of shows you where he's at. I mean, really, just him—he's exhausted, you know. And I think that's. Uh, like, at that time, the impression that they give you in the show, and I think it's historically accurate, is that, like, his glory days were behind him, mm-hmm. and now his job was basically to go from town to town as a, as a performer, as mm-hmm. a celebrity. Just to be Bill Hickok. Just yeah. to be Bill Hickok at appearances or in, you know, theater shows and stuff yeah. like that, and he was not good at that and yeah. didn't like it. And so, you know, he just, I don't think, had a whole lot to live for except for gambling and
0: drinking and, you know. Yeah. He's know. in the... Uh, Cameo.com phase of his right. career. Mm-hmm. Probably still pulling, he'd probably be asking like at least 100, mm-hmm. I, I would think. It's Wild Bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, like his, his cameo where he would, you'd pay him like 50 bucks
1: or 100 bucks and he mm-hmm. would send a happy birthday message to your cousin and, mm-hmm. and dab or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he could get at least 100 Yeah, bucks. At least 100 dollars for Wild I Bill. I mean, it was at a time when he was. I think you're right. That was, like, that was where he was career-wise and how he felt and stuff like that. But he was one of, like, three celebrities. Right. So, like, it was pretty good. Everybody recognized him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just from seeing him go by, which was really funny. But he really did seem... There's, um... I guess it's, like, a DVD extra, but it's on YouTube where it's in... It's Keith Carradine keith carrying plays right interviewing milch. yeah interviewing milch yeah. And, it was so good. and they talk about mm. that character and it's so good and and you basically sum it up really nicely but yeah. it's just how he's kind of like he's just existing at that point yeah like he, he he's a guy who when he lived for purpose the way that milch saw him like he had such a good purpose such a strong purpose and he was so important but once he was purposeless he was just this kind of shell who just yeah. wanted to play cards and be drunk all the time.
2: Right. And he can't even really do that. I guess we find out later, but like sometimes they'll rig the cards in his favor to keep mm-hmm. him just sticking around in an establishment, so it's not fair, you know? Yeah. So it's not easy for Wild Bill.
0: Yeah, and he he just wants to do his thing and, and you have someone like Charlie who's working almost as a manager and a handler trying to get him to uh take care of his wife, take care of his family, put a put a nest egg kind of kind of a way. Uh, we'll see that he works with uh, Tom Nuttle uh, to get an you know, an, an appearance fee yeah uh, for for Wild Bill. Uh, and uh, yeah, and as far as people like recognizing him, holy shit, like the dude has probably one of the more, uh, distinct looks in the series, not even just. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking like Old West, but I'm talking in in terms of uh, Deadwood. Once, uh, well, I don't, don't want to say uh, anything in case anybody's listening to this for the first time. Um, but yeah, it's just a very distinct uh, look: the long hair, the mustache, uh, layer after layer. I don't know how. I don't know the weather. It seems pretty fairly warm. Yeah. Um, but
2: it's got to be hot. It's got to be hot. Summertime. Well, in South Dakota. Yeah. They're up high. Yeah. I think it's still July. It is high. July. We yeah. know it's July. Um, really great casting, I think, of Keith Carradine, too, because they give you someone who's been in countless movies who you already, like, kind of have an association with. Mm-hmm. He's like your. Keith Carradine's one of those, like, friendly uncle actors. Yeah. You know, yeah. where it's just, like, nice to see him somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I think there's that. Because um, he's too old
1: to. Technically, technically to be Wild Bill because yeah. they know oh, Bill Diamond he's like only like thirty nine or early forty or something uh, okay. like that. I mean, yeah. but like you completely let it go because first of all he's great and second of all like right. yeah, they aged pretty quickly back then anyway right so right he could just be
2: like a rough thirty nine mm-hmm. and it works for like as far as modern day audiences watching it his Keith Garretin's age and gravitas lends it something I yeah think he used to be an authority yeah. uh, also I just heard a podcast interview with. Um, Brooke Smith, who is an actress I really like, but she's maybe most famous for playing the girl in the pit in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. Um, Catherine Martin. uh, She uh, had done a show with David Milch called Big Apple right before he did Deadwood. And according to her, and she was being modest about it, but she said um, he wrote Calamity Jane with her in mind, Mm. but she got pregnant right before it so she was like it's very painful and even her uh, her agents and stuff were like don't tell him you're pregnant mm. and she's like I know him I like him he's gonna find out like I yeah. have to tell him so she lost Calamity Jane which she knowing I think she's a really good actor and she could have been good in it but Robin Weigert is so fucking so good. good on this yeah. show yeah, I, like, can't right? right. I can't imagine not her right I can't imagine anyone line. else no offense yeah. to her yeah. But,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> motherfucker it's a fucking part but I just thought that was an interesting casting situation cause like I can't be imagine being an actor that was like available at that time that's like I, I didn't get Deadwood you know like that has to hurt yeah cause it's just so so well written
0: if not what's her name Robin Weiger Robin yeah. Weiger uh, if not her if not the uh, the pit girl who would you cast as Calamity Jane that's really
2: hard right I mean, there's a lot of actors that could do it, but I think it's so personalized. Like, mm. she really brings... And she's nothing like that when you see Robin Weigert interviewed. Like yeah,
1: she's, I saw an interview for her in the movie, and it was like, wow, she really did <laughs> She really did act in that show. <laughs> yeah,
2: this is a performance, but it's yeah.
1: so unique. Like, there's yeah. so many ticks and stuff
2: and things. Um, and also in interviews, she said, like, how, like... You know, David Milch would also play the part a little bit, so they were sort of feeding off of her and yeah. off of him, and
1: it was like a collaboration. But, yeah, I don't he know. He apparently did start to, as they kind of became, like, a, had a shared brain, he did start to write more to her, yeah. the actor. But I mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I had that in mind because I've I'd, I'd seen one of the interviews when it was, like, I think the whole cast before mm-hmm. the movie came out somewhere in L.A. And it was, she seems fully formed. Yeah. as a character I feel like the Robin Weigert would say no but like from scene one yeah mm-hmm. she's exactly from scene one she's exactly as she is and
2: she, yeah so she's so she, she feels
1: like she found it and yeah. she feels like she got better but like it's
0: really really good yeah mm-hmm. so we have uh, Seth arriving Saul is already there. Uh, Saul is setting up his lot, the hardware lot, uh, with Dan for $10 a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, get it over to the, uh, I'm sorry, $20 a day. Get it over to the, uh, to the gym. Uh, and I love when he says, uh, where's the gym? You'll find it. (laughs) Everyone does. Uh, but I also love that one long shot of, uh, or long sequence of shots with Saul, uh, Seth, going down the thoroughfare and mm-hmm. we're seeing just how kind of messed up uh, or just how much is going on really in in Deadwood uh, with everybody kind of, there's um, animal slaughtering going on, there's people selling things in the next, there's a um, a hardware store. Is soap with a prize inside, is that <laughs> yeah. guy there in yeah. the first episode, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's a real guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> soap with a prize inside. Uh, yeah, so there's all of these things going on and, and you see like this... It's almost as if Seth was happy in that moment Mm -hmm. in ways that we don't really uh, see him in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Because he does. He has this kind of smirk on his face like, all right, all right, I feel at home, kind of. Yeah. Um, It was just nice. Then we go to the gem uh, where we have that scene we were discussing with with Ellsworth where he says, uh, is it true that you were descended from the... uh, uh British nobility? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna send it from all them fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> yeah, so they just have their, their, their conversation before there's a gunshot, which we'll we'll get to. But any thoughts of, of that particular scene that we haven't already discussed? Is that the scene where Ellsworth has the
2: line where he says he's fucked his life up worse than hammered shit, but he stands here beholden to no human mm, sucker. No, yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. That yep. is such a great line. He's got a couple right in yeah. that conversation. Swearing I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. There. <laughs> Boy, do I enjoy the way you lie. Hmm.
1: Yeah, there's something about, I mean, without like spoiling the whole series and character arcs and stuff like that, but there's something so nice about their interaction where it's like a pretty, they really just understand each other. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to see it. Them just like, he's like, all right, yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Swear Engine likes him. He's, he's a guy who is out there to make his money, mm-hmm. not mess up anything for anybody else. Mm-hmm. He's the perfect kind of, he's exactly who he wants in
0: Deadwood. hmm. And give it right to Al. Yep. <laughs> and that's the, the Star, best. Li- and also, start a line of credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, $500 for Mr. Ellsworth. And that is a gunshot. <laughs> And uh, it's coming from upstairs. It's a Derringer, uh, and we go up. And Trixie, who we meet, uh, one of the uh, sex workers uh, at the gym. Uh, Trixie got uh, Trixie shot a guy for kind of getting getting rough with her, mm-hmm. uh, and then they're just kind of cleaning up that mess. Uh, the doc comes in and is dealing with uh, dealing with that too. Doc is fascinated by the guy not being dead. Yeah. I really thought
1: the doc was gonna be a twisted weirdo character just Great, based on proper. that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because I mean and I guess yeah. he, he is because he like is. it's just what doctors were, but yeah. his his fascination and like trying to poke stuff through the wound mm-hmm. and be like, Wow, he's not he's not quite dead yet. It's yeah. crazy. A very Kyburn like character. A yeah, Kyburn from, from Game of Thrones. He looks almost to camera and it's like woo's pigs won't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: it's funny that he's <laughs> not a creep. I think a lesser yeah. writer would have done that, would have made mm-hmm. him just like a really, like, you know, he's in it for sick thrills or something, mm-hmm. but he's in it for the greater good. He wants mm-hmm. to learn.
1: He was just morbidly yeah. fascinated, which is supposedly one of those, like, real stories out of Deadwood, is that there was a guy who had got shot in the head, and he lived for a long time, and the, the doctor was fascinated by it. <laughs> <laughs> Ran a, a, a pole or something through his head, like, wow, goes right at the other side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about it? You gotta learn somehow.
0: Yeah.
2: Trixie. This is one scene that I think is typical of other Westerns. Uh, maybe only because I'm thinking of the opening scenes from Unforgiven, where they're beating up on the uh, the prostitute. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I this scene seems like... If you have not seen this show before, it's important to know that Trixie will develop a lot as a character. She's (laughs) not just a punching bag. Um, Because this show, this episode would have you believe that Mm -hmm. she's there to just, almost like a sacrificial lamb to show how women were treated. And Mm -hmm. there's plenty, you see plenty of how women were treated back then, and a lot of it's not pretty, but Trixie is a fully formed and fascinating character. For sure. Yeah.
0: As Doc is, uh, tending to things, Al, as he's leaving, says something along the lines of, uh, tonight you drink for free, and I hope any word of this would keep the gun out of the whore's hand. Mm -hmm. And we hear other things, like, that's the other thing we should say about this podcast, is that we're going to be using some of these words that are used within the show. Uh, we don't necessarily believe in their in their use, but uh, he does talk about uh, within this one scene, the, keep the gun out of the whore's hand. He talks about the Chinaman. He talks about the Gimp. Uh, so there's a whole lot within this one... Square heads. <laughs> the square so heads, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a whole lot going Hoople on. Google heads for the junkies. Yep, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, is it $10 or a ball of door. Who's <laughs> that... Jimmy Irons, mm-hmm. uh, fucking weasel. All right. Uh, so yeah, there's a bunch going on there. So they send the. Uh, he wants to hang on to the doc wants to hang on to that body, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he, I think he wanted to just
1: mess with it a little bit more and yeah. fear what was going on. But yeah. he did seem, uh, like I said, as he looked to like two camera and it's like, <laughs> yeah. "What do you see? These pigs? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you gotta like these pigs." <laughs> All right. Uh, so Bill, uh, Charlie Utter, and Jane are tr- still trying to wake their ma- make their way uh, to to camp, uh, and Jane gets eyes on that family that's headed back to Minnesota. We're going uh, to Minnesota. <laughs> going back to Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's not really too much there. Uh, this episode has more cuts, I guess, mainly because we're trying to build up these these different storylines than I think some other episodes, mm-hmm. uh, many other episodes have. Uh, so there's just some really quick, where are they now, sorts of check-in yes. kinds of scenes. And this is another one of them. Doing a lot of setting up so people mm-hmm. can later hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels, it feels different. And partly probably because it's Walter Hill
2: and partly because it's the first time they did it, you know? Mm-hmm. And there may have been a delay between the pilot and the rest
1: of the season or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. much of it is not in Deadwood. Like, it to right. not in Deadwood. And yeah. they're
0: all outside of Deadwood trying to get everybody into Deadwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we are at the hardware store lot, uh, And one of those other character actors that you find on bar stools in sitcoms is yelling about uh, Seth and Saul taking too long to unload their... Their wares at the at the docks area, Mm -hmm. uh, and gets him gets himself a commode for here's a commode for your trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think I'm gonna pay for that? Nah, it's free from (laughs) Seth and Bull Cardboard Store as soon as we have our lot. Uh, Yeah, just another quick scene, kind of setting things up, seeing where uh, where we're at, where we're going. And it
2: sets up the Saul and Seth dynamic, because Seth has no patience for people like that Mm -hmm. and would tear them down (laughs) instantly. But Saul is like, no, Mm -hmm. no, you you sweet-talk them. You glad-hand them. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Al and Trixie, that's one of those kind of punching bag scenes for sure. Uh, Boot to the neck, on the ground. Either way, this comes out. We only have to do it once. Uh, Just nasty. Uh, Which is another thing. Like, that's the, the... Al Swearengen is a very complex character mm-hmm. uh, that definitely develops through this show. It changes uh, through this show. This yeah. is one yeah. setup for how Al
2: could possibly yes. be as it goes along mm-hmm. that I think they back away from, for sure. Yeah. And I'm
1: okay with that. This is Al being yeah. a villain, mm-hmm. yeah. as he is for most of, the, at least the first season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nobody likes it. We take no pleasure in watching that scene. And no. there's also, like, the... I, it's it's doubly sad because Trixie, it, I think her line is like, "All right, do what you got to do." Like it's a routine thing. It just shows how ingrained it is mm-hmm. and yeah, that relationship and that line of work. It's it's bad, yeah. It but is. their their relationship ends up being much
2: different than what mm-hmm. we see in this scene. Yeah. yeah, because she does. She has far worse transgressions that
1: she doesn't pay for as, <laughs> yeah. as much. Yeah. You know, as against Al. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Mm-hmm. You make a really good point, Rob. But just like, she winds up being an incredibly well-rounded character, and like, yeah. maybe, on some days viewing the show, maybe my favorite character in the show. Yes, yeah. like really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So uh, we then go to Wild Bill and Charlie Utter at the hotel with uh, with E. B. Farnum. Uh, we're there with Farnum, the another weasel, and uh, it is from the from the first handshake. Uh, Charlie Utter says, uh, you got some mighty clammy hands there, partner. <laughs> uh, and he says, what does he say? Uh, yeah, clammy hands run my, uh, the curse with, uh, cl- my family's curse with clammy hands or something like that. Yeah,
1: it's something. a long line of yeah. weasels, begetting weasels. <laughs> yeah. and just mm-hmm. Utter can, like, look at him and assess that I can tell you that you have disgusting wet, mm-hmm. cold hands. Yeah. And I,
0: I will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh they want uh Bill and Utter want separate rooms but there's there's only the one room EB uh, e. says that he can arrange it and this is something that doesn't quite get a reaction from from them but like EB not a bad joke uh so he says uh I can't arrange it now but I can buy it tomorrow uh unless you were to kill a guest mm-hmm. and then he like looks for a reaction from them and does it again he's like okay fine um it's not bad not a bad joke Farnham mm-hmm. uh any other thoughts on uh, the first experience with Farnum?
2: Oh, it, th- this episode doesn't
1: get into it enough. How great Farnum is! Yeah, I think his
2: his best scenes are to come.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's great. He has yeah. he has later on in the episode he does have a, a nice little scene where he's like uh, just being a weasel. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, there's so much more. I don't mean, think he has a, he doesn't have any monologues this episode, does he? No, yeah. no. Does he interact with Al this episode? Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. He does? Yes. yes. Very the uh, scene we're talking about. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Very next scene, he runs in to uh, tell Al about uh, Wild Bill showing mm-hmm. showing up. And Al is like, oh, great. Wild fucking Bill Hickok here. Uh, if he would have done his job, maybe we'd be able to hold our businesses down without worry that we're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then in that scene also, they're, they're all just kind of working out the details of setting up... Um, the dude, as they as right. they call him, um, what is his name again? Brom. Garrett. Brom. Brom Garrett. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're working on the details of setting setting him up. Okay, you go and get Tim Driscoll. You come back here, make sure that so and so sees you. All of those all of those things. So the dude is waiting for him, and he get mm-hmm.
1: has a whiskey, and mm-hmm. he asked if he was drinking it or if he was sipping it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: He was sipping it, yeah. And they're like, "Ha ha ha ha!" ha. <laughs> of course he is. Uh, then we go to the hardware store, hardware tent, where uh, Saul is trying to hype up Seth uh, to get ready for this opening, uh, and Seth is just like, "Why? Like, why are we here? Why are we doing this? What's going on?" He's it like, makes you wonder why <laughs> Seth agreed to move yeah. to
2: Deadwood in the first place. <laughs> He's like, like mumbling, like, "Right." Yeah. Because this is not suited to him. But yeah. it's, I, I get that it's like, you know, there's opportunity there. There's gold there. This mm-hmm. is going to become a town. You can plant mm-hmm. your roots here for cheap, and then you're going to yeah. be established once they get annexed or whatever. But, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Saul's great. He's yelling, mm-hmm. we have pickaxes, and we have this, and yeah. we have that. And Seth is just like, and uh, we have. And, uh, roots. Mm. Got boots. boots,
0: boots here. We got boots. We got hmm. boots here. Gotten at our own peril, hmm. uh, for for you, the consumer. Uh, yeah. So they're just going through that. It's another another quick scene. Uh, Al is now downstairs with uh, with Brom, the New York dude. Uh, and he, speaking of the whiskey and, and sipping, he, he turns to him and I didn't even pick up on this until this fourth viewing of this episode in the matter of probably the same number of months. Uh, and he says, uh, can you see a finish to that? Uh, and then <laughs> the one shot that he's do, <laughs> yeah. so he just says, <laughs> can you see a finish to that? Uh, yeah. And Al acting as if the dude was wasting his time. Uh, and now the gold is going to Farnum. So he's acting like while he was out doing looking around and not at the bar to work on this this deal that Al says he's been working on, things may have gone to shit. We may have yeah. lost this gold claim to E. B. Farnum. Um little it, does the dude know, they're all fucking playing him. Yeah, it's you can't tell yet, if you've watched this for the first
2: time. Yeah. That yeah, it's hard to tell what's going on mm-hmm. in this yeah. show. Like this is a show that a lot of like the plot, you know when this when things are unfolding you're like, wait what what does that happen? I have no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. but it will become so clear as the mm-hmm. show goes on. yeah um, yeah mm-hmm. um, So yeah, they're trying to con the dude into <laughs> buying a gold claim that they think is worth nothing.
0: Yeah uh, Bill is at the number ten saloon with Tom Nuttle. Uh, Merrick busts in. Uh, uh into the conversation uh that they're they're having there. And Jack McCall has his moment where he says something along the lines of I'm gonna say something. Uh I will sh- I promise after I said this, I will shut up, I will not say another word for the rest of the night. Not impressed. And <laughs> like talking about Wild Bill. It's <laughs> like shut
1: the fuck up, Jack McCall. Not impressed and I'm gonna beat him at poker a whole bunch. Yeah.
0: Uh and Bill, Bill wants to play some poker. Yeah, I did like Bill in this uh, in this scene too. Uh, or I like Bill in this scene, but I Tom Nettle, too. Yeah. I think they set him up to be a just pretty good character yeah. uh, throughout this uh, this this scene here. And saying like, I I know who you are. I don't want to draw attention to it, um, but I would like to buy you a drink. Uh, and on the opposite end, you have. Merrick, who was just like, oh, you know, if I may, um, yeah. uh, Yeah, just busting into things. Uh, We go to, uh, unless there's more, anything more you want to say on the number 10 saloon. Jack McCall
2: cuts a pretty distinct presence the Mm -hmm. first time you see him with the, um, I guess that's makeup that they have on Garrett Dillahunt's eye. The droopy eye. Or is he doing that? I would believe that he can do that. Because he's, he's a very good it. actor.
1: Yeah, I think he's doing it. Yeah, that's
2: it's
0: amazing. His
2: one droopy eye. And um, what's his
0: name? Garrett Dillahunt. Garrett Dillahunt. Yeah. yeah. Which we may have said this before, but his real name sounds like a Deadwood character name. Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah.
2: Anywho. But he's uh, someone that got infinitely more fam- more work and more famous as a because he's been on like sitcoms and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was just in that movie Widows. He's good in that. But I think he yeah. was in. One of the
0: Terminator shows, Terminator series. Probably. Uh, He's in Raising, raising hope. hope. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, so we go to Trixie and Jewel, uh, and another quick scene. Trixie wants another gun. We meet Jewel for the first, uh, for the first time. Um, for when they beat on you. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: Jewel's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I think of when I remember the first episode. is kind of Trixie's arc throughout the episode. But yeah, this is pivotal to that and, mm-hmm. uh, and how the episode ends. Not to skip ahead, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she wants a gun. She wants a gun, again, for Al.
0: Yeah.
2: Because um, she's tired of getting, you know, throttled in the neck
0: mm-hmm. with his boot. Yeah. So, yeah. We go to the bigger con with the gold claim. Uh, Farnam and Driscoll kind of uh, setting, setting some things up there. It's the scene with the... Um, uh the overall con downstairs. Yeah. Uh with Farnum and Driscoll. Um this kind of bidding. going going at it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the bidding war. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Those are the words that have gone missing. Yeah, and the dude is just kind okay. of caught in the middle of this shitstorm of uh, of con artistry no idea that he's being yeah.
2: conned yes. and yes. thinks that al's on his side mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's priceless
1: The scene just watching this play out mm-hmm. is just so it's painful mm-hmm. but it's it's great and al is such a like a puppet master he has a number in mind he wants the number to go there mm-hmm. and then the then the other guys decide to just uh, improvise a little bit and see what they can get out of it yeah and there's a really more. funny moment where al's like Wait, what? Yeah. What the fuck did you just do? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm a... discounting yeah. his claim. Let's everybody calm the fuck down. Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Because it's gonna be more trouble after the fact. Mm-hmm. The higher the prices, you know. So Al's got Al's a good long-term thinker, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. Because he, if he buys that claim for, for $20,000, and then it turns out there's no gold there, that's mm-hmm. going to be more of a problem than if he pays... What was the original number? Like Fourteen? dollars 14, $14,000. 14, right. 000, yeah. that, that he might walk away from and go back to New York with his tail between his legs. But if it's twenty, then he's going to have problems from...
0: Mm-hmm. Pinkertons. Or... Pinkertons, whoever he's connected to. Yes. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah, and though. he says that too. Like, if, yeah. if he has to wire for more money that could very well at the end set like bring those uh, Raise alarms. Yeah. It's gonna turn Sauron's eye toward toward <laughs> Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, which ain't gonna be good for anybody. Uh, yeah, so they spit shake on the on twenty thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars for this for this gold claim and everybody's happy. just um, so tickled by it Oh he really is mm-hmm. Yeah. They
1: spit in their hands. Yes. Yeah, so Tell much. Me, spit in your hand, <laughs> and I'll spit in my hand, and then we'll shake hands. We just did the deal. Yeah. Uh,
2: uh, is it um, who actually owns this claim? Does Farnham actually own the claim? I think it's Driscoll, doesn't he? Driscoll actually I think he owns the actually claim. He does actually own the claim, yeah. Okay. I'm just wondering who bought the claim in the first place. Yeah. This was from the get-go. It's actually
0: still
1: not clear to me because it seems that really it's Swearingen's call whatever happens to the claim, right? Right. Yes. So you would think Swearingen owned it, but he might have just have so much power that he said to Driscoll, here's what we're going to do. You're going to, your claim is useless. We're going to actually make some money from it. You're going to get 20% of this play that I have. Yes. But I think Driscoll does own the claim yeah, Driscoll ends the claim, but he hasn't.
2: Okay. I'm just wondering, I have a question about how how who's looked at the claim because <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it would I don't they know, seem to have made a decision about the claim before maybe like researching, yeah, very well uh, about its value. yeah, that's all I'm saying. So that's what I'm just a little confused. yeah, about.
0: well, within this episode, they've said that uh, the dude, Brom has, mm-hmm. has gone out and looked and that Dan also, I believe, has, has gone out and, and looked at some things. Right, Can he show him a nice piece of gold Yeah, that he yeah. found. Yeah, with four more just like it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Brom holds it, I was like, look, here's there's gold here. Put your fucking hand, put your hand
0: away. Yeah. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, alright. Uh, so let me go to Charlie uh, playing manager with Tom Nuttle back at the Number 10 saloon. Uh, and, uh, uh, what if we make a, some sort of arrangement where he's just here, you pay him money and it's exclusive where he's only coming to your, to your saloon. So he offers him like 50 bucks or so. Um, Tom Nuttall says, yeah, that whole, if he makes it, uh, his place to play, he'll give him $50. Uh, but they do have like a little bit of a back and forth, uh, mm-hmm. where you just see Charlie, genuinely care about the welfare of Wild Bill Hickok. So there's a definite relationship between the two of them.
1: Yeah, when you first see Charlie, you don't know if he's going to be some kind of, like, a hanger-on who's trying to, like, make his bones off of Al, but, like, he seems to be doing all this work and doing all this hustling just to make sure that Bill is okay.
2: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: he's his manager, a de facto manager at least, Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and then what part would you say, if he is playing that, where does Jane fit into things? She was
2: like a deputy to Bill. Okay. I think in real life, um, I for, I don't I know I've read like the Calamity Jane Wikipedia page. I know she rode with Custer, um, but I forget how she ended up with Bill. But I think she was basically like his right hand, his right hand
1: gal, right? I I think so, yeah. I mean, in the show, it seems like a mix of her often having, like, use herself and, like, being a part of their kind of system. But it also seems like she's so incapacitated some of the times that she's, like, um, that if Charlie is managing and taking care of Bill... She's like, "Do you ever play video games with your younger brother, and then just like not have the controller plugged in?" Yeah. And they're like, "I'm playing too." And it does yeah. seem like she's a little bit like that, where she's like, "I'm helping too. I'm getting whiskey." Right. And it's like, "Great, right, you go look for whiskey." Right. That is kind of how the show. Some whiskey.
2: I think in yeah. real life, though, Jane was also a. I think she was also a celebrity. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think she was later in life. I don't think she was at this point. Oh, okay, got but it. But she did just definitely become a celebrity later. Got but it. she did. She was like a scout mm. and stuff like that. wasn't yeah. she, With Custer mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. Which she does make reference to in the show, right? Yes, yeah. because yeah. yeah, she hates him. Custer, yeah. He, <laughs> was, yeah. He, was a, he
0: was a son of a bitch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so Ama, we meet Ama, Ama Garrett, uh, Brahm's wife. Uh, we see her, we're introduced to her for the first time, I believe, getting, she's getting her fix. Yeah. Uh, what, what is it that she's dripping in? Laudanum. Laudanum? Yeah. Laudanum. Laudanum. I believe it's a mix of uh, heroin and alcohol. mm mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. Aww. Heroin teacher. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she's uh, eye dropping this into her. Uh, it could be wrong, water. water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that it's the. Yeah. It's, it's it sounds opium delicious. Opium of some kind. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the dude comes up, and we basically have that, which we've already discussed with the spit shakes. And uh, do they wash their hands afterwards, too? Mm. Uh, we own a gold claim. Uh, and he's just so excited, and he just got duped. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't and know it. Alma seems to know.
2: Alma seems to know that he's a rube, yeah. you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, she's just a little too uh, in, the, in the depths of addiction to do anything about it. Um, and he's her husband. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, things uh, like Trixie, Alma's another character that will end up... Um, Kicking an ass and chewing mm-hmm. bubble gum, and they haven't invented bubble gum yet. That's what
1: she has to do laudanum.
2: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, for now, she's just kind of like uh, looking at him in a way Is mm-hmm. like, all right, she seems smarter than him, mm-hmm. but then she's also just looking out the window the whole time, yeah. seeing if anybody's there so she can be addicted to laudanum.
2: Yeah. yeah. She seems very out of her element
1: here, mm-hmm. at
2: first, in the first episode
0: at least. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, we see a quick scene of that uh, abuser getting fed to woo's pigs, and then we see Driscoll and Al. We have that scene where he's talking to him like uh, Driscoll thinks like he just made everybody rich, mm-hmm. uh, made everybody $6,000 more more uh, than they expected to make. Um, so what's 30% of um, 20000 was thirty percent of fourteen thousand? No one told you. You know, no one told you mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, and then he goes into some of those things we've already talked about with um, the the Pinkertons and um, uh, coming in. Uh, but he basically plays him down to next to nothing.
2: Yeah, he gives him a free yeah. free uh, twenty bucks for the table, I think. Yeah, twenty bucks for the table and a free piece of pussy to yeah. quote the
0: actual dialogue. It's so. These are despicable people. Yeah. No no bones about it. But it's also it's kind of heartbreaking to watch the hope fade from his from his eyes and yeah. the color drain from his face from Thirty percent of twenty thousand. Okay, fine. Thirty percent of fourteen thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, fine. Just give me five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we holding any markers? Oh, gee. And then okay, yeah. fine. Yes, just what's put it against holding, the markers. What's the holding markers? Is that him? Uh, he's in debt to us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, fine. Just put it put it towards the markers. Just give me something. And, and uh, you want to credit? for it? Fine. Just credit for the tables. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a fine. Uh, just give me twenty fucking dollars and a free piece of pussy. <laughs> tell Dan he'll hook it up and Alex is super calm the entire time Mm -hmm. and standing off to the side E.B. Farnham uh so who had worked this out we don't I don't believe we see it but we we do kind of get that impression or at least I get that impression that uh Tim Driscoll and E.B. Farnham kind Mm -hmm. of were like working on that together a little bit to try it up because as soon as O'Driscoll leaves, E.B. sells him
2: down the river. He's yeah.
0: like, oh, I was just as shocked as you were, <laughs> yeah. Al. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and Driscoll kind of gives him a little what for mm-hmm. as he's leaving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for stepping in for the right, you know, on the right yeah. side of justice here. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you deaf dumb bastard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we get to, uh, we get introduced to Pastor Smith, I think his name is. Reverend. Reverend Smith mm-hmm. uh, at the hardware store where he's just watching their, their goods uh, we learn that Seth is born in Canada, Saul was born in Austria, and they met uh, when they were like 16 or so years old, and have been together ever since. And it's just a funny moment when we meet the Reverend too, because he says, "Oh, uh, on sometimes I do this, and I watch there, I watch goods for people, and sometimes I do this, uh, and on Sundays I preach about the, you know, the devil's, um, you know, ravaging and coming back to earth." It's like, what? You, I'm sorry, what was that? Mm-hmm. And they're just, yeah,
2: their heads kind of spin a little bit. Oh, is this the first um, indication that we get that Seth uh, also has very little patience for religion of any Mm -hmm. kind? Yep. um, Or, you know, kind of fantastic thinking. Yep. What What do you guys think of the Reverend? he gets to be a bit much. There's there's scenes with him that are very painful. Yeah, I think yeah. throughout season 1 yeah. where it's I think they're you,
1: supposed to be. They're
2: supposed to be. Yeah. I think so too. And I think they're but you kind of want them to end and you're not enthused when they happen because mm. you're like, oh, that's how I feel when he comes on most of the time." Right. Yeah. But I I think I think ultimately it pays off. Yeah. Um for sure his whole arc. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's sometimes when he talks, you're just like, ugh.
1: But I think it's also maybe because you see it through set size. Maybe, yeah. It, it reminds me as of, yeah. as if uh, it were real life and a religious guy came up to me in the street while well, someone's trying to do stuff and right. he was just talking to me. That's how I would feel.
0: Yeah. I'd be like, go the fuck, I mean, mind yeah. your own fucking business. Yeah. Yeah. I had someone uh, this past, not this past weekend, the last weekend come up to the door. I answered and this woman asked me, she's like, seeing everything that's going on in the world today, do you believe that we are in the final days? We are in the end times. And I said, no. And she had a look of shock. Um, so I don't know if everybody is used to like, she's just used to everybody saying like, yeah, I do. Mm. Um, but she was just like, Oh, (laughs) okay. Uh, Um, could I show you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then she wanted to show me something on, uh, her iPad, some YouTube clip. I should have seen it. Cause I don't know if it wouldn't, maybe it was a Seinfeld clip. I don't know. <laughs> um,
1: but, yeah. Yeah. It's when, when I get asked if I've, I mean, everyone's heard of Jesus. It's true. It's an easy out. I'm like, oh yeah. yeah, I'm good. I've, yeah. I've heard of him. I got it.
2: I got a little – on my way here when I was leaving work, there was a young uh, woman on the corner of 7th and Chestnut who was – I don't even know what she was there for. She was like a clipboard person. But her strategy to get uh, people to talk to her – and I I was the only one walking up to her, so she she was all eyes on me. But she was all smiles, and she kind of had like a jaunty kind of like court jester posture. And she had her hand out like ready for me to shake it. And she was like, you look like a cool guy. You look like a cool dude. Why don't you – we should be best friends. You got 30 seconds? And I was like, the pitch, I was like, the way you're patron patronizing me right now makes me hate you so much more. Yeah, she's and I know whatever cool you're, yeah. right, or people that are desperate to think that they're cool. Tourists, rubes, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so with a prize inside. Uh, but I was like so I'm much
0: angry at her for being friendly about it, you know, yeah. just like How dare you? I can't stand, uh, religious or otherwise, I can't stand any sidewalk stoppage. No. Uh, The sidewalks downtown Philadelphia are cluttered enough. We don't need people standing there not moving and then also trying to pull people into conversation in the middle there. And for the most part, a lot of people are just trying to get somewhere. Right. Leave me alone. Anywho. I'm sure it's a great cause, whatever the (laughs) fuck it was,
2: but I didn't have the time to find out.
1: Just 50 bucks, 100 bucks?
2: Uh, I Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, here, I have
0: my go-away money in my pocket. uh, (laughs) Yeah, here's my go-away money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. All right. So, uh, oh, yeah, here we are. Now we're getting to the the meat and matters. Uh, Rogue Agent. Rogue Agent rides up lying about a slaughter, about a massacre. Seth doesn't buy it. Uh, so he's saying that, uh, I've seen some things <laughs> mm-hmm. over, over in the forest, whatever the fuck he's saying, uh, pieces of people all over, uh, kids, uh, and, um, it was a, it was a family headed this way and the, the Reverend is like, was it the Mintz or Mertz family or whatever they were? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably who it was. They had three children. I don't know. Maybe. And so, there, this, Seth is watching this all take place and he's just like, all right. Bullshit meters. is yeah, On right. high. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy's going, he's
1: trying to just like plant the seed of like, I saw this crazy thing that happened. I don't know. And then he's going to disappear, right? Yeah. Like his plan is to, maybe if he can get a free drink out of it or something like that from somebody, but otherwise his job is to be like, I don't know. Did you hear this thing happen? And then just <laughs> yeah. kind of like disappear. Yeah. And blame he, it on, on uh, Native Americans. Yeah. 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 And he just, has
0: the worst fucking luck because he says it in front of Seth. Yeah, mm-hmm. he says it in front of Seth. He says it in front of uh, the Reverend, who you know, once there's some specifics that are starting to get put to things, and this guy doesn't really know how many people there's. Any kind of questions, he he can't answer. Although that's uh, fair because if he was just riding by and saw a family massacred and mm-hmm. one child is missing, he wouldn't know that there was, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Seth doesn't doesn't buy it. Uh, we go to Jack and, uh, the coward Jack McCall, uh, and Bill, uh, things are getting a little tense. And as many times as I've seen this interaction between the two of them, I'm still not exactly sure why. Do you remember what was, what was happening here between the the two of them? Between two of them? Yeah. They're playing cards and he says that he would have done something, but I can't remember. Uh, I don't know exactly what the issue was between the two of them.
1: I don't know. I know later there's a perceived insult, but I don't even think it's happened yet. I think Jack is just really uptight and Bill also doesn't like losing. I yeah, I
2: think Jack has like a, a boner for Bill and his way to deal with it is to prod him and mm. try and make himself seem somewhat superior. Like I'm not you know, you're not better than me. You mm. know, I think that's that's what it is. So he keeps like poking him and mm-hmm. this is
0: the first stages of it and it'll get worse.
2: Yeah. So uh, yeah.
0: There is that one line I like where he says, uh, Jack McCall says, How stupid do you think I am? I don't know. <laughs> I just met you. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we go to Bullock, Saul, and Bill, kind of pushing this rogue agent on his uh, uh, road agent on his on a story. Merrick joins in for some reason. So they're talking about this guy is, as we've said, just trying to, I want to plant some seeds and get the fuck out. But everybody is just like, hey, you need a drink. Why don't you come here? Hey, everybody, you say there's a slaughter? There's a massacre over
1: here? He goes in front of the Bleeding Heart Reverend, Mm -hmm. the former lawman who was, like, really not feeling like doing the tedious work of being a salesman that night. Mm -hmm. And then the newspaper guy who
0: can't keep his mouth (laughs) shut at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So they are pushing this guy. I ain't fucking going back out there. I just came from there. I'm... I'm... Comfortable. I'm. I'm here. I'm sitting. Uh, and guys, like, Bill just stands up, right out, ride right out. We'll. We'll. We'll go with you. Yeah. And uh, then Wild Bill
2: Hickok happens yeah. to be there. And Charlie hears yeah. it. So Wild Bill hears it. Yeah. yeah. You know Who I mean? uh, would be the modern day equivalent yeah. of like a Wild Bill? That's like. I don't know. I guess there isn't one the Navy seal that shot herself the line <laughs> <laughs> it just happens
0: to me in the bar and he's yeah. like we better go take a look mm-hmm. yeah uh, Gerard Butler uh, yeah and then Merrick is, just, is there and just like yeah and I'll ride too mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like alright I guess can I come <laughs> yeah <laughs> might there be a horse for me uh, said so Merrick joins in, just wanting to be a part of this. What he is probably going to write about and hear about and um, mm-hmm. be part of a legend. Uh, Bill and Seth agree that the fellow is a lying cocksucker. Um, something about this guy's story just this guy's story just isn't holding water. Nope, no, it ain't. Uh, and it was Jimmy Irons, I think. Uh, rats out that the that they're going out there. He goes back and tells Al, who mm-hmm. is now pissed because of the business that may get sucked out of the, uh, out of the gym, uh, as everybody is kind of getting riled up to go after what they think is Native Americans that have just caused the massacre. Uh, some of them know better. So Al goes down and, uh, uh, gives this, uh, speech about waiting until the next day. Wait until the next day. Go under, go out with a uh, clear, clear head. Uh, so that way, you know, you know you don't make any mistakes. Uh, and for anyone that does, you know, and I will give $50 for every head of every Native American that you bring back to me. Uh, next round is on the house. And as he's walking away. And pussy's half price for the next 15 minutes. Mm. Yeah. And that's, like, the Oscar speech of this, or the Mm. Emmy speech
2: of this episode. Like, that's, I feel like, the the centerpiece of, like, Mm. all right, we got our pilot, we're establishing things. Ian McShane's going to deliver this speech that's going to solidify. Like, this is the show you're going to be
0: watching. Yeah. Uh, Right before this, he also says to Dan that he wants Tim Driscoll seen too, And Dan says something along the lines of, I'd pay Peg Trixie to cause more trouble than I would Tim Driscoll, uh, which could speak to what you were saying, Rob. Dan Uh, knows that Trixie got a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And Al just kind of doesn't really pay it any any mind, um, in that moment at least. He also punches Johnny in the face uh, for coming up Basically as soon as he heard. Yeah. Uh, he, but it should have come up sooner. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it, it was pretty quick. And, no, it was literally as soon as he found out about it. Yeah. But yeah. it still could have been. Yeah, he, could, <laughs> he, he He should have known. He shouldn't have had to have been told. He should have just sensed it and gone up the steps, according to Al. Al leads in a way where, like, if you work
2: for Al, sometimes you may get punched in the face. Yes. Just stay on your toes. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. when
0: Dan, uh, <laughs> Dan Doherty is leaving, and he's just like... He's got a lot on his mind, Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it really is that kind of... It's it's a work hazard mm. that you may just get punched in the face, as you were saying. All right, so, yeah, pussy's Have Price for the next 15 minutes. Uh, and Jane comes in and is looking oh, for so good. people to, to ride out. And it uh, this about people not waiting until morning. What's the fucking rush? What's the fucking rush? Uh, I guess I'll go. Only a person with balls. Yes, yeah.
2: so I, I don't. drink where I'm the only one. Oh yeah, balls. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which gets a good reaction from
1: yeah. the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good
0: point. It's pretty pretty. Uh, she's got some good material. Mm. Uh, and as she's leaving, another one of my favorite lines of the way that it just mixes the different. Uh, moments in this show and with E. McShane's delivery uh, as she's leaving. Let her go. She ain't taking any business with her. Okay. Hey, uh, don't forget to kill Tim, Dris- Tim Driscoll, huh? Mm. <laughs> just like, as he's walking away. Also, why does Tim Driscoll have to die? Because he knows things? I think that's the only reason uh, Well, I think it's for crossing out. Uh, okay. But also just because, yeah, he he knows. He's a loose end. And he's not right. one that seemingly, I guess, is in his pocket as as tightly as maybe Farnham is. Got you. Um, I think L foresees
1: that he's going to be a pain in the ass about okay. yeah. not getting the money. Right. So who knows what that would mean. God, if it. that means threatening to run his mouth at some point. So just mm-hmm. right. take care of him now. Yeah, because he talked him down thousands and thousands of yeah. dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was pretty
0: mad when he left yeah. and running his mouth off when he left. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Clean up that loose end. Uh, so they're out there. They find uh, find this family. Uh, they find the little girl uh, we know uh, from, because we've seen her earlier in the episode, and she's at the time, she's kind of being lit, a little chewed on by wolves, mm-hmm. uh, or at least lit by wolves. The wolves are in the area and are kind of nipping at her heels. Um, they grab her. They take her to uh, they kind of meet on the way back with uh, Jane mm-hmm. on one of the trails. Hand her off to Jane, carries her. They go back to uh, go back to camp. I think that's interesting
2: that they hand her to Jane too. That it's like the gender norms of the time. It's mm-hmm. like oh, there's a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to give her to someone maternal. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's an I.
1: Th- I think that's interesting. Yeah, um, and Jane's right on board with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, and they. It's
1: the beginning of seeing her as like a like one of the most caring people yeah. on the show. It's like she's Absolutely. a caretaker. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and right from the first glances, Jane sees them, as we we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think, um, but Sophia and this little girl who will be named Sophia, spoiler, and Jane kind of exchange glances and little smiles uh, in there. Mm-hmm. So we see a, a quick connection there uh, with them. Uh, yeah, so then there is the uh, the dude, uh, Brahm, is getting ready. Uh, for his uh, for for going out to reconnoiter the claim uh, that he's just bought uh, with Dan, and Alma just doesn't want to have to deal with him at all. <laughs> uh, so he he's he looks good. He's he's all done up, and she's just acting like she's yeah. sleeping the entire time. Alma's over it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ellsworth and Trixie have a moment which is just, um, you know, I'll pay you just to listen, which is more, I think it's more or less what he's saying. And, uh, yeah. get you, get off. He, uh, you don't have to do anything, but just get something, whatever you want to get off your chest, you can get off your chest. And she says something along the lines of, uh, Ellsworth, thanks, but you pay no attention to what's on my chest. Something, mm-hmm. uh, Trixie like there. Tim Driscoll gets killed pretty quickly, opens up the door. Oh, what's he's like, Oh, what's all this then? And, uh, Quiet, Tim. Boom. Dead. And we hand the kid off to the doc. Merrick fallen, basically fallen off his horse. Doc! Doc! Goes banging on the door. Uh, He comes out, tries to grab her. Jane freaks out. You wait one fucking minute. Coming with you. Uh, And then they have to deal with the uh, road agent. So there's uh, Seth and Bill kind of confronting confronting him so there's a there's a lot right before that final scene mm-hmm. uh, what thoughts
1: we're gonna say what happens with the road agent yeah I mean he he confronts him and they're basically like the store doesn't really line up and he's like yes it does yeah I'm gonna leave now <laughs> because I'm super tired yeah and I told you the truth about everything so I get to go mm-hmm let me say wait right there and then they both draw. they All all three of them draw, I guess. He reaches for his gun and the other mm-hmm. two draw. And we don't know who who hits him, but Seth assumes it's what, the,
0: guy, but... the most famous, like fastest gunslinger yeah. Yeah. in the country. Yeah. Was that you or me, Montana? Might want to be on you, Wild Bill. Yeah. He also yeah. asks him, like, uh, Wild Bill says to Saul, I think, like, what kind of, uh, how good of a shot is your friend? I don't feel qualified to say. I believe Saul says. Um,
2: yeah, and this is the first instance. The episode closes with Seth also delivering justice, but this time in a lawless town where there is no due process. Mm-hmm. So they kind of they can kind of make that snap decision and be like, "All right, this guy's full of shit. Best mm-hmm. to take him out."
1: Yeah. There's also something very funny. I think I noticed in the scene the last I watched it, where I guess uh, Brahm and Dan are going out to assess the claim at the same time yeah and there's a little sort of at the bottom of the screen I think almost looking out the window and they kind of are like standing there like alright I guess they shot that guy mm-hmm. and you see Brom kind of be like alright I think we are going this way and
0: they <laughs> yeah. just kind of like walk off <laughs> yeah. uh, there's also in that same moment where he's got his, uh, his pan for um, uh, what do you call it pan and gold Pan and gold, yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, His pan for gold, what do you call it? Mm-hmm. Um, pan for gold. Uh, and he shows it to to Dan, and Dan's like gives him a thumbs up. Well, like, very oh, good. Yeah, pan. <laughs> it's good pan. Good pan yeah. you got there. Um, He's sort great. of like the kid that you, the little brother that you yes. like, mash the controller. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look at me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a prospector. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we end with Alan Trixie. I love this scene. Yeah, Trixie shows up, puts that gun on the that she just got, presumably yeah. to use on Al. And Al was prepared for it. He has yep. a gun drawn yep. as well. Mm-hmm. Puts it on the nightstand, and uh, Gives then hops it to in him. bed.
2: Yeah, basically yeah. submitting. Mm-hmm. Again, if you haven't seen the whole series, that feels like just seems like this cycle her. of abuse, right? Happening. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, which is point poignant, I think, but. Uh, there's a lot more it's i think i think having seen the whole series going back to that scene has a certain resonance that it may not if you're just seeing it for the first time yeah yeah but it's it's pretty beautifully beautifully done Mm -hmm.
0: and that's the that's the episode uh who do you believe won the episode
2: i'd say uh sophia <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because Sophia survives mm-hmm. uh, and is not eaten by wolves or killed by road agents. yeah. Uh, but maybe also uh, Seth because he kind of like wild Bill, you know, he forms that connection with Wild Bill early, mm-hmm. which yeah. I think is uh, does something for his clout in town.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say um, Seth and and Saul as the as newcomers coming into town, they're the ones who have the kind of the most, I think hope. like Bill's coming at it. And his crew's coming at it from sort of a different perspective where it's like, Alright, here we go again and these guys have a clean slate. And even though Seth is weirdly falling back into old habits, it's like Seth doesn't seem to love the trade, like uh, selling stuff, and he weirdly gets to have this fresh start, but also there's something that he's really good at mm-hmm. and that he probably enjoys doing, even though he doesn't like to see himself as enjoying it. So he yeah. kinda gets to have it both ways. Yeah. As far as losers, who, everybody who died.
2: Yeah. Yeah, all the dead people. Yeah. Uh, and tri- Trixie, to a certain extent. Yeah. Because um, she is stuck in that cycle of abuse, as far as we know from mm-hmm. the first episode. And she willfully submits the end by handing over that gun.
0: Yeah, it doesn't uh, seem like she has a win. The yeah. loser, for me, would have to be that one uh, road agent. Yeah. Uh, specifically him. And just... He's the only one from that party that went to Deadwood. Didn't have to. And Wild Bill kind of says something along those lines, too. Because uh, the guy's like, why did you even... Uh, why do you think I came back here? I wanted to spread the word. Well, maybe sh- shit went sideways, and you just had to had to get out. And you came here. You couldn't... You had to get some pussy. You had to get a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy's... Uh, got a little too a little too cocky uh, and ran into the wrong people on the wrong day. Uh, and my winner is I'm going to say my winner is uh, the owner proprietor of the number 10 saloon Tom Nuttall. Um, huh. Because he probably loses a lot of business to the gym because he doesn't have some of the things that that, that establishment has. Uh, but now he has a centerpiece uh, for his business and a draw, a celebrity draw for his uh for his uh for a saloon so i think that's pretty cool in wild bill hickok yeah any other thoughts no 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 cool then i would say before we get to a very quick round of plugs that we are going to continue going through the episodes uh throughout the entire series over the course of uh we'll probably wrap up by 2023 at this rate uh so make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you know when they drop. And a shout out to Fred Brown for the theme song that you heard at the beginning, and also to Karen Coleman, uh, Karen Coleman Hinners for the uh, Canned Peaches art. All right, uh, Dan, what do you have coming up? Uh, Rob and I have
1: uh, improv, depending on when this comes out, at Philly Improv Theater on Monday nights at 9. It's called Bat Stevens. It's two of us and two more people and two more people and one more person would make <laughs> seven people, right? Yeah. Yep. That's mm-hmm. about how many, Ooh, seven yeah, yeah. people,
2: seven whole people. That must be a pretty good show. And we have that. We need to be there in eight minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. For call time. Yeah. No, we oh yeah, we do. Mm hmm. well, Right. So that's what we've got going on. Uh, same thing. Bat Stevens, I think, is all I got going on right now. Um, yeah, that's about it.
0: Cool. And this is Mike. Uh, you can follow me on all the things at Mike Marback, and you can check out Not Yet Rated, an improvised action movie, July fifth and July sixth at eight p.m. We'll be doing a uh, Star Spangled action film uh, in uh, inspired by the uh, the Fourth of July. Uh, so think. Uh, Die Hard, Olympus Has Fallen, those types of things. It's going to be a a pretty good time. I'll be there, too. And Dan will be there, too. All right. Uh, Thank you all uh, for being here, and thank you all for listening. Bye.